Hey friends, before we start the show, I wanted to introduce you guys to EM Media and Video. They are local to Philadelphia. They are great for filming video productions for commercials, and they do audio voiceovers for radio commercials as well, amongst a slew of other helpful promotional production needs. So if you want to reach out to them, call 267-528-7890 to get your quote today. Hey everybody, C-Note here and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like video games, much better than reality. Today on the show, we are talking about community and competition. And uh, often I've talked about community over competition, but really it's more of a yes and. And this episode is going to be kind of more about a, it might, might just be a yes and kind of thing. I don't know. We'll see how it emerges. But uh, essentially, it's about community and competition. Healthy competition is great for motivation and moving forward and getting things done. So we're going to talk about all of that stuff today on Dopamine. Let's hit the button and do the thing. Let's go. Drums, all right friends hello welcome to the show i am your host c-note aka christian rivera it's really the other way around. My actual name is Christian Rivera. I'm a digital producer, which means that I do photo, video, graphic design, and audio production, which typically means podcast editing. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a nice kind of overcast day, which I love personally. I like it when it rains a little bit. I'm a little bit like that garbage song. I'm only happy when it rains. And uh, the birds are buzzing, though. And sometimes, you know, that's a challenge that you're going to have to deal with over the summer is that uh, there are birds just outside my window and my podcast studio here in the corner is right next to the window. I don't have a closet or something where I record. So I just I just I just talk and uh, let the birds buzz in the background. They're just doing a lot of sexy noises in the background and fighting, fighting and sex. Those birds are just all about all about the fighting and the sexy time. You know, so, I mean, who isn't? That's just how we live our lives. Uh, so uh, today on the show, I you know, I, I wanted to originally talk about, I think I'm going to split it into two concepts. So like the, at first, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, community and competition, and then generally talk about yes and. And I don't mean that in just an improv sense, but I mean, in most situations, there are healthy perceptions of yes and that we can employ and use in our lives um, as a means to not be so divisive about everything. I think we very much get caught up in a graves for type of society uh, or, or in the general culture that seems to kind of fit that of everything is this or that left or right Yankees or Red Sox. And most of the time when it's a, bigger, complicated life issue situation, some version of yes hand is usually the thing, right? And uh, 
so I, I guess I'll just jump right into that. Because <laughs> um, it's something, I, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot is that healthy perceptions of Graves 4, which is for those of you who don't, don't know, Graves 4 is part of Spiral Dynamics. It is level four blue, which is a large part of American society is within four. Um, the structures are essentially four rule sets and religions typically are in four. You know, there's just a lot of protecting my desire to live within a social framework. And um, it's sort of people are very protective of their social structures because it's sort of their first foray into a collective social structure, right? So think about it like when you're a baby, you're kind of just individually in the world and you're just kind of like fighting to get food and you just need to eat and you're instinctively just kind of moving your mouth towards the teat and just trying to get food to, you know, by whatever means necessary. Um, usually that's a de very dependent state as a child, but sometimes that also translates to someone who is a homeless person and their sole purpose in life at that moment is to collect resources, not resources, but to find the next meal, essentially. Um, so that's, you know, that's the challenge that they face. And, um, and then you go into Graves 2, and that is when you start to have like a community, usually that's a family unit. So that's when a child becomes a infant or toddler an infant becomes a toddler rather and they start to recognize that they are in a family they are part of a family a collective and they are starting to like figure out what their place is they're like oh okay i'm a little brother i'm you know i have a cousin like this is you know they're figuring that out and sometimes societally that's in relation to like maybe a homeless person has figured out some sort of community, some version of family that's taking care of them in some way. They have just some sort of shelter. There's something that's a little bit more than just trying to eat and do the basics of survival. And then you get to like a teenager. Teenager will start to explore their independence and get to a place where they are uh, expressing themselves or trying to express themselves and put themselves away from the family. They're trying to explore their individuality away from family. And that means starting to peek into the uh, societal world, but they're kind of taking frameworks and things that they've learned or things that they have um, sort of coalesced from their family experience. And they try to bring that into the outside world. And sometimes that means they just try to take stuff or they just try, you know, sometimes there's uh, some aggression when it comes to uh, Graves 3 Red. And then societally, you know, that's usually called like the warlord phase when someone kind of goes if you think of two as like tribes and three is someone who is trying to rule over tribes where they're trying to create their own tribes and they're trying to be a leader, you know, two within a family unit is more about everyone working together. And three is about someone who is trying to stick out and they're trying, you know, usually you think of teenagers in that sense. Um, and for the sake of this discussion, I'm not going to get into all the details, but I'm just trying to uh, catch you up on what I'm trying to say within all of this. So, and then you go from three to four and three to four is like a teenager who's trying to get a job and they are trying to put themselves into society a little bit more cleanly. They are trying to figure out what, what their morals are, what their values are, what they stand for. And you can also think of three as like someone who's maybe had trouble trying to make the transition from two to four. And they are in the midst of three, they get involved in like maybe a gang or they get involved in 
uh, criminal behavior. They can sometimes get involved in something, you know, if things aren't going well within three, they can get involved in things that are uh, not good for them. And sometimes you can often find uh, people who have been drug addicts and trying to reconcile with the challenges that they have of assimilating into four, they end up going to a religion or they go to some sort of structure to allow themselves to transition into four, which is kind of living a, um, finding a sense of safety within a social world. You know, it's kind of a social family as it were, right? That it's not the inherent family that you are born with or grown up with. When you're trying to find a way to put yourself into this, you know, some sort of social external, whatever, you know, sometimes that comes out politically. Sometimes that comes out, uh, religiously. Sometimes that is, um, you know, a career or something like that, right? Sometimes there's just something where there's a, a group of people, a connection of people, a collection of people that have certain moral values and, and a framework that you can follow and sort of work your way through, um, you know, making a living and getting a paycheck and going through the motions and living within a set of laws and rules that are meant to protect everyone, right? That's the idea is like, Lore, like if you think about the warlord phase, if warlords are creating all sorts of uh, missions, police states, as it were, <laughs> you think about that. Think about, um, you know, warlords who are trying to kind of cover territory. If you get warlords that are consistently trying to butt into other warlords territories, you're just going to get war and conflict all the time. So essentially, like fours is an agreeance of warlords to say, like, to start drawing perimeters. And the warlords themselves create certain, uh, <laughs> it sounds cynical using the word warlord, but in a sense, it's like, it's about creating structures and frameworks so that people are encouraged to stay within that territory and, you know, pick my territory over someone else's territory. You think about states in the United States, they kind of formed based on sort of trying to establish rules within a certain territory. That's sort of the natural evolution of three to four in a way, right? Someone at some point had to take the reins on becoming a governor of an area and then deciding that this area stands for these values and these rule sets and stuff like that. That's why when we're, we're sort of having a lot of challenges figuring out like abortion laws and all this stuff from state to state, because each state has its own sort of structure and rule set and stuff like that. But then there's an overarching uh, dynamic, which is essentially the four rule set that's trying to determine what's best for everyone. And um, that's kind of what four is doing in a lot of ways. And one of the staples of four is getting into a protective mode of us versus them or this versus that. And that you hear that all the time. I'm sure you're very familiar with seeing that. Uh, it happens everywhere where there are people arguing about uh, Republican versus Democrat, you know, the, the whole liberal conservative thing or uh, anti-abortion pro, you know, uh, pro-life, pro-choice. Um, you know, there's there's like at this point, it feels like it's <laughs> everyone versus white men or something like that, like LBGT, LBG, I don't remember all the words, LBGTQ, LGBTQ. There, you know, I don't, we need a better name for that. Like queer people. I don't know. I think that's what they're trying to, I don't know, whatever. The point is that it feels like it's white people versus that <laughs> straight white people versus that. Or like, um, there's the racist racism 
discussion, you know, white people versus black people. Everything feels like it's, everything is on dichotomies. It's everything's on extremes. And I find that most answers to difficulties, a big extreme difficulty things are usually an S and or, or, or yes. And you think about, um, socialism and capitalism, you know, there's a lot of arguments about like, what should we be doing? And it's, you know, there's this idea still within a four framework or three, four framework that it needs to be one thing that we have to make one choice that our country has to be a capitalistic country, or it has to be a socialistic country. Like people are basically turning down the idea of anything socialist because, they're like, oh, it's going to run over our world. It's going to change everything. And we're not going to be capitalism at all. And blah, blah, blah. like capitalism's great. Like it allows me to make a podcast and have money. <laughs> like that's cool. Um, I have no problems with that. But there are some things like healthcare. Should healthcare be a capitalistic thing? Like I, that's confusing, right? Like it's tricky. We don't really know. Uh, like it's not all, it's not a one size fit all thing, right? So thinking about that, and this is not an argument for or against any of that stuff. It's just the idea of thinking about yes. And like, it's, it's a, it's the answer could be little bits of everything. Right. But because our, many of our mindsets are really wrapped in a very particular way of thinking about society of thinking about things, thinking about uh, morals and big pictures that we're very much concerned with making sure that we are protecting the worldview that we kind of grew into. Like whenever we transition, transitioned from three to four, whatever was the thing that kept us socially safe, we want to protect that. For some people, that's capitalism. For some people, it's their identity as a queer person. Some, for some people, it's their identity as a straight white person. And if that's being attacked by, uh, by, by media or by liberals, quote unquote, or whatever, like, then they're going to defend that and protect that. Right. And we're not thinking about yes. And in the sense of having these discussions in much more nuanced ways, even when we are trying to fight for social issues in a way that is like pointing at other people across the lawn, it it happens in a way that is still a very us versus them kind of framework. We're not asking, we're not thinking about other people's perspectives and we're not thinking about how that affects people. So, you know, it's, it's a challenge because there are aspects of this that really are really important to think about in the sense that it's, it's not about me talking about demonizing this ideas of us versus them. But I think if the situation is complex and we need to have complex solutions, then this us versus them framework, like, isn't going to cut it. You know, I think there needs to be a little bit of societal evolution in terms of discussion, in terms of the ways that we can solve problems that uh, can move beyond that. And this kind of starts with you as the listener. I don't know if you've, I've definitely been you know, in that us versus them framework. I mean, think about, I don't know if you've had certain behaviors around the 2016 election, but it felt like everyone was on high alert. Everyone was protecting some sort of decision or worldview or whatever that they were doing. And it was just this, this shit storm of people protecting themselves through their choices. Right. And there was a multitude of choices that occurred that led to certain outcomes. And, you know, there was just a lot of people demonizing people. You think about anti-vaxxers, for example, also like even anti-vaxxing is not as simple as we make it out to be. And that's the thing. It's like oversimplifying. It's not a simple solution for 
us to say that if you're an anti-vaxxer, you're an idiot. Like that's not true. <laughs> there are certain situations where people are ignoring the facts, of course, but there are people who are also not doing it for very medical reasons. So there are very legit reasons and everyone lumps other people into this idea that anti-vaxxers are just the, the, the autism excuse people. But at the end of the day, regardless of what choice someone is making, whether it's because whether they're choosing to be anti-vaxxer because of some sort of reaction that they've had, or they're choosing to be anti-vaxxer because, you know, some woman Karen on YouTube told them that they shouldn't because it causes autism. Either way, someone is doing that or making that choice for some sense of personal protection, some ego serving thing that is important for us to keep in mind when we're having discussions with people. Like it's not, it's not helpful for us to just call someone stupid and not consider that they are a person on the other side of the conversation. Now, I know that's also very difficult when we are having discussions in relation to text-based discussions. Like having text-based discussions is a challenge because we have to consider context. We have to consider that the person isn't on the other side. And really the solution to that is curiosity. You have to be curious as to like, why? Okay, so what are, what are the nodes in this person's system that is leading them to think this way? Or you can even literally ask them, like, what's going on? Like, you know, what led to this decision? And approach it with curiosity because there's there's a part of us that I find that the reason that we get defensive, and it relates to things that I've been already talking about, but a lot of the reasons we get very defensive and we start calling someone an idiot, calling someone an idiot is a defensive mood, but move, by the way. And we get defensive calling someone an idiot to protect our word worldview because that's exactly what we're doing. We are protecting our worldview because if someone brings us new information or they happen to, let's say we get curious and we ask them questions and for some reason, you know, let's say an anti-vaxxer were to be able to convince you <laughs> that you could, um, you know, that, that you uh, would become one of them, quote unquote, like you're, you, there's like something in there, no matter how much your, how strong your conviction is, I think there's something in there that is afraid of being convinced. <laughs> and instead of allowing us uh, ourselves to be convinced, we just shut down and we shut the conversation down and we call them an idiot and we tell them to move on. And, and, you know, then people end up forming these big groups of anti-vaxxers. They end up forming these groups of like flat earthers and stuff like that, because they're no longer seeking some sort of either validation for what they, well, they're more likely seeking validation for what they believe in. Um, but they're no longer seeking or comfortable with conflict in relation to what they believe in, because all they experience is backlash and conflict and people just telling them they're idiots and not listening to their arguments or, or not having an actual constructive conversation that could eventually lead to someone, you know, kind of believing the truth as it were. Right. And, um, it becomes a very tricky conversation, but it becomes like a truth versus truth kind of thing. Like what is my personal truth versus which is actual truth. And usually actual truth is nuanced. Actual truth involves a much more complicated conversation. And usually it involves sort of multiple answers, multiple discussions and understanding multiple things. And I think that is what is really frustrating for a lot of us um, because it's just easier. It's easier. And it's sometimes lazy to just pick a side and stand by that side and, 
you know, not have to question it and uh, just protect ourselves, just create this social shell around us and just say like, you know what? I just don't interact with those people. That's all. I just, I don't like Republicans, blah, blah, blah. I don't like liberals. I just don't talk to them. I had a client of mine who was just like, uh, I was helping him with some Facebook ads and he was giving me his criteria for who to talk to or who to reach out to. And, um, you know, he was just saying like, uh, um, people who are in this demographic and this age and this, this job or this, uh, whatever. And he's like, no Republicans. I don't want to work with Republicans. I'm like what? <laughs> really? None. <laughs> Even if they don't like publicly talk about what their affiliation is, you can't have a conversation with someone who is like, just, you know, from a different perspective, you really just kind of turning someone down completely. And that, I think that's the frustrating thing for me when it comes to like, uh, perspectives around, particularly like the liberal side of things. I'm more center, I guess. I don't know. I kind of adapt to what the situation is. Um, uh, the liberal perspective mixed with like the social movements and social justice and all of that stuff. It can be very frustrating because I think the, the social justice side of things doesn't see themselves as for blue in, in the framework that I sort of mentioned before. Like they are still very much in a, truth versus truth perspective. Like it's about identifying that, that, uh, uh, being on the side of, uh, transgender rights and, uh, um, fighting against homophobia and fighting for, uh, equality and fighting for women and fighting against racist policies and stuff like that is, is, they don't see that as a us versus them framework. They see that as like a moral imperative truth. And they see conservative religious uh, white men really as evil, you know, which is, again, that's a very us versus them thing. Like we are good. They are bad. Right. And the answer is always yes. And like we are good people and bad people. <laughs> like there are there are gay people that have hurt people. There are gay people that do bad things. There are black people that have done bad things. There are white people that have done bad things. There are white people that have done good things. There are black people that have done good things. Right. And because for the sake of our arguments, we decide that there is a clean one side or another. And usually those arguments, when you see online, are coming from that perspective. Like, this thing makes me feel safe. And that's a thing that I've been hearing all the time. Like, the word safe. Like, the uh, this makes me feel safe. Like, this isn't a safe space. Uh, if it's not a safe space because it's filled with, like, potentially white conservative people. Like, What? What do you mean it's not a safe space? Like, that's not, they're not going to attack. They're not going to look at you and say like, you're a liberal, we'll get her. Like, they're not going to burn you at the stake. Like, it's not just what happens anymore. But it's, it's kind of interesting and fascinating because like uh, uh, attaching the idea of Graves for Blue to the idea of safety, I think is what actually literally perpetuates the usage of that word safe and safe space. Like for sort of the, the, the left side, the liberal side of things, when it comes to the social justice things, it is about, it is all about creating a social safe space, which I think is part of growth. And I think it's necessary. Like you have to go through graves four to ascend to graves five and go through the process. Right? So this is not me demonizing any of these ideas or thoughts or whatever, but I think it's important for us to consider, especially if you're someone who's listening, who has been a social justice warrior or person in this context to think about the fact that, you know, are you living in that framework of like, 
me versus them? Are you looking at other people as evil? Because evil is a bit extreme. Like often people are not making evil choices. If you put yourself in the perspective of the other person, like the governor of Alabama, who's this, this woman who is, who signed the abortion bill, like she was doing it based on religious beliefs and her religious belief is what makes her feel safe. And so she's just making choices based on her growth and her nodes and the things that she's uh, known and done and believes in, in her life. She's not like trying to attack women. Right. And then there are, you know, people on the other side that feel like they're being attacked and women feel like their, their rights are being taken care of or taken away. And appropriately so, they should feel that in the same way that if someone who is on the liberal side attacks conservative uh, Christian views and, you know, just is coming at them and saying, like, this is not real. This is not something you should believe in. This is not helping society. This is like you're an evil person. You're not following blah, 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 blah. Like they should also be upset by that. Right. Like that's part of the dichotomy of all of this. But if for us as a society to grow and move into either graves five or even just getting into a place where we can make some decisions and move forward and stop butting heads and all of these big topics is about understanding yes. And a nuance is the fact that like the answer is like, yes, we need, we need better abortion laws, but we need also more rights laws, right? We need, we need women to, in terms of the abortion discussion, like it needs to be a situation where like there is safe care, but then there's also protections against, abuse of that care or something like that. Right. But like, listen to whatever the arguments are on both sides of those things and try to find ways to compromise. Right. The problem is, again, we get so into our ideologies that it's about just getting everything that we want. And on the big picture scale, it's a challenge because we can't tell brains what to do. Like I can't go into a room and fix everything and fix everyone. But I think what we can do is, you know, society is a collection of individuals. And if we think about it, the reason I'm talking to you about this stuff is that if this is something that has affected you or is affecting you, like this is something that I want you to think about. This is me doing my part to try to help someone to consider a little bit differently the yes and aspect of things. Like the answer is not just socialism. The answer is not just capitalism. The answer is not just abortion bans. The answer is not just pro-life and or pro-choice and you know opening all of the gates right the 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 answer is not just keeping the open border the answer is not just putting up a wall right it's it's not you know it's not these extremes and i think i think part of the challenge that we're facing as a society and i'm hoping this is these are growing pains towards better days is that we are just living in these extremes and i think the best thing that we can do for ourselves individually to help each other is to listen to one another and grow and then be able to take some of that and apply it into the future as we have conversations with people and as we apply it to ourselves. Cause that's really all we can do is as a collection of individuals start to apply some of these frameworks of understanding that people have nodes in their system, that they are complex nodes and that there are things that they can uh, continue to learn and grow from as if we give people patience to sometimes even work through and deduce some of their own logic, but they haven't had room to because sometimes people just get into rooms of other people who believe what they believe or have the same insecurities that they have. And then they just perpetuate those same uh, feelings and they go in circles and then create bigger circles of movement. And it becomes this hurricane of, of 
the same ideology that doesn't really help or move things forward, but because they have no way for new ideas, new chemicals to come into the mix and mitigate this hurricane, then it just becomes bigger and it swallows everyone whole. All right. So like I said, all this stuff is, it's complex. There's a lot of things to consider. And I, I think it's unfair for anyone to approach any of these problems, social issues, um, personal issues with yourself or with your family. Um, you know, uh, even things that are like small, like roles that men should play or, or fathers and mothers should play in the household. Um, you know, it's like, it's the ideas of like, you know, women should be in the kitchen and doing the dishes and men should be working. And it's like, usually the answer that has been working best for everyone is some version of yes. And <laughs> like everyone helps, everyone contrib contributes and, um, you know, build some sense of community. And, um, you know, community is a very tricky concept because again, like I've talked about community is, can be a very good thing. I think community around, um, very helpful, thoughtful topics are really helpful. But then there are some times where people use community as a means to retreat and not challenge themselves. And they go to people who are just as insecure about the things that they're insecure about. And we don't move our perspectives forward. I think part of a healthy community is having some people in there who are willing to challenge each other and, you know, strengthen each other. I think when you get into communities of people, again, who are there for the same insecurity kind of reason, then you I think you do get something that's a little bit more like the Flat Earth Movement, who which if you've seen that documentary on Netflix about um, the Flat Earth, uh, Flat Earthers, like it's a really, really good documentary because you start to really learn sympathetically, like what is actually going on and that, um, you know, they're trying to figure something out and they just get swatted down instead of listened to. And that's all they want is to just be listened to. And if you're trying to be listened to about something that you also want to validate and create some sort of confirmation around, then you're just going to find other people who are going to confirm it. It's a lot of confirmation bias, but the confirmation bias is around the idea of community. You know, they just want people to like them. Everyone wants someone to like them, right? Everyone wants a sense of, of importance as well. And I think that's part of it too, is like, if you can be a part of this movement that you feel like you're going to change the world, which a lot of people feel that way about religion and they feel that way about all sorts of communities, then, you know, you, you develop a sense of conviction around this thing and then you become unshakable because again, this is the thing that just makes you feel safe. You know, flat earthers, again, this, this framework, this belief, this idea to them makes them feel safe. And I think that is the thing is about a sense of social safety is really where for graves for framework really is. And I think in order to grow a little bit, I think there needs to be a healthy sense of competition in order to move forward. Right. And I've been thinking about that a lot for myself in terms of uh, me being a TI dominant, like I really appreciate competition. I really love being able to prove that I'm better, <laughs> you know, or to learn ways to become better. Right. I like, I like that. I love competition and it, it really 
you know, as a man too, there's like testosterone elements to it. And I like to give my all when I'm in a competitive scenario, like I'm more likely to be in better physical shape if I have competitive things, as opposed to just going to the gym and just trying to maintain, right. But if I have a beacon or something to work towards, or, you know, trying to improve uh, my ability to contribute to the, the world around me, then I'm, I'm more likely to, to, to just be a better person as a result of all of that. So I think competition is very healthy. And I think we talk about community over competition, but forget to talk about how healthy competition actually is, right? You think about it in a capitalistic sense as well, like Apple and Android make each other better by having the intense competition for each other, right? Uh, Xbox and Sony, um, Sega Genesis and Nintendo, right? Nintendo is a through line in the video game industry and they are always showing up with something different and innovative and trying something that's out of left field and it makes the game industry better every single time if it was just one game company if it was just sony like we would just have a boring console in front of the tv over and over again every few years right that's like you know apple makes android better and android makes apple better you know like right now xbox is uh, getting competition from Google because Xbox is trying to come up with their X cloud service. They're trying to find a way to um, sort of uh, make it so that uh, gamers can stream from their Xbox to their phone or their tablet or play games on PC. And it's really about finding a way for um, players to have greater access to games. I think generally, I think Xbox is taking a grave six approach to video gaming, which I think is really healthy for the industry and really, really great. And, um, but you still got, um, you know, they've got competition coming in from that through Google Stadia. And so Google's jumping into the video game industry and um, they are coming up with Google Stadia, which is the same kind of idea of being able to load up a game in your browser or on your phone or on your tablet and or on your TV and be able to play a, a catalog of games for a monthly service fee and, um, you know, be able to stream games from wherever. Now, Google's not coming up with a box physically to do it. They're using it through their uh, their Chromecast, but it is a situation where they are coming up with a similar product and they're going to challenge each other. And sometimes they're going to do things that are very similar in service of like kind of getting to a certain point. Like you'll see that a lot of the times with like phone manufacturers, you like you'll see phones that are like kind of looking the same a little bit for a while because manufacturers are trying to calibrate to each other to figure out what's working. And then they start to find ways to individualize. And when they start to individualize is when they are creating unique interest in their brand, right? It's like, again, with the video game example, they are, um, you think about video game companies, you like Sony and Xbox are virtually the same kind of console. It's like a big box. It's got very similar specs. Like, you know, one's maybe a little bit more powerful than another um, you've got, but you've got different user experiences and you usually have different exclusive games. And even though they're using, if you think about the box itself as a graves for framework, um, you think of the individual games as something that makes the box unique. It's individual. It makes it stand out, right? So that's the competitive piece. The things that make you stand out are the things that are, you're going to be competing against, right? So one of the things that I end up talking about a lot on this show is the idea that we have different starting lines and different goal lines. And 
I don't think there's any reason for you to not want to look at the person next to you, see how fast they're going and want to be compelled to go fast as well. I think the problem becomes when we start to compare ourselves, when we are not competing, right? If you are competing with someone actively, it is very healthy and moves things forward, right? Like I started doing really good work when I was working at the marketing agency, when I had other designers starting to come in, I was the first designer they hired. Um, but when a new designer came in and I saw the work that they were doing, it gave me some motivation to try something different and to step up my game, right? So competition is healthy. There's nothing wrong with that. So when I'm talking about community over competition, I think community is important for lifting each other up. But like you have competition within the community to make sure that the community itself is a healthy thing that you can grow from, right? Because eventually, like the way I look at it, I'm always going to be kind of bouncing from community to community. And I think in a lot of ways, um, in order to do that, you have to sort of graduate through it, through, you know, through some form of competing. And if at some point you feel like you're the smartest person in the room, then it's time to move on to the next community and find people who challenge you and who challenge each other, right? I would not want to be in a community personally. I think the unhealthy communities, uh, a community personally who um, doesn't challenge each other. I think that's unhealthy. And, um, you know, that's that's what happens when you get these ideologies that, um, you know, that don't grow. Again, the flat earth stuff or the anti-vaxxers or um, some religious groups and some sections of religious groups. Right. And I'm not saying religion. I'm saying the religious groups. You get all sorts of like cult like followings of people who just strictly follow the rules and they don't question anything. Right. Or find ways to uh, strengthen your resolve. I think that's part of it, too. Like competition helps you to strengthen your resolve around your idea. Right. And then if it doesn't work, then you find another community that that fits another idea that's going to kind of fit within your values and framework and ideology and the things that are going to help you move forward. Right. So I think competition is incredibly healthy. And, you know, I think getting some testosterone coursing through your veins like feels really good. And, uh, you know, being able to boast and make fun of each other. Like um, I was playing with um, with Molly's daughter. We were playing uh, a video game on the phone and it was a lot more fun when it wasn't just me like watching her play or her watching me play. But once we started to get a little bit competitive and I was saying like, I was making fun of her a little bit when she was like missing something. I was like, ah, come on, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, just kind of bragging and stuff. I feel like that makes her, that made her want to be better because she was seeing that I was doing better and doing okay. And because I was like razzing her and we were having fun, she was still trying to be better in the process of it. And she wasn't feeling bad about it. So I think healthy competition helps each other to grow and be better. But again, we get kind of, we can get really caught up in feeling bad if we don't want to be competitive. I'm going to say that one more time. I think we feel really, really bad about our place. If we are not willing to want to be competitive, I think I think that's it. Honestly, I'm just just thought of that as I was talking. But <laughs> um, I think that's one of those really important things to think about when you're thinking about competition and community is that is that um, we really, you know, we're able to move each other forward if we're having a healthy sense of competition. And usually, 
usually when someone feels defeated or they don't want to go forward, it's because they don't want to try anymore or they're not having fun or, you know, they're not um, enjoying the competition in some sort of way. Right. And really when like Gary V talks about the process, I think he's talking about enjoying the competition in some ways, right? Like, and figuring out who you're in competition with. Right. I think that's another thing too, because it's not like if I start playing guitar, I'm not competing against Dave Grohl. Right. I'm, I'm not trying to be better than Dave Grohl. I'm trying to make an album that's maybe better than someone who is a, of a similar wavelength to me. Right. You're constantly trying to calibrate to who is on a similar wavelength. Right. And that's really the community piece. The community is discovering who is on your same path and wavelength and uh, level of skill and all of that stuff. And then you compete against those people. Right. We, I think that's, that can be sometimes the difficulty when it comes to like looking at Instagram or, you know, social media stuff is that we are seeing people that are not necessarily a part of our community who are quote unquote miles ahead of us. And we just feel like we can't compete. If you feel like you can't compete, then why would you even try? Right? So the point of building a community community is to find the people that you're willing to compete with and to help each other grow. You know, you think about, um, I, I, and I think about this all the time. I think about like, um, uh, like improv groups or you think of like, sometimes there's like groups of actors or groups of writers or groups of people who are starting to become famous. They're coming, becoming famous together in a way, right? A lot of the people who are on a similar cast to SNL, for example, typically have come from the same uh, improv troupe, like Second City or UCB or something like that. And they are coming from the same place because they lifted each other up. They're competing against each other. They see that, oh, he did this really rad impression. So it's not necessarily that I'm going to do the same exact impression better, but I'm going to try to make something that's funnier. And they're trying to kind of one up each other, right? And I think that's fun. Like as long as you're doing it in a way that's fun and you're not trying to shit on each other <laughs> and, um, you know, you're, you're kind of razzing and growing. I think you're recognizing that you're kind of on the same wavelength in the same place and you're learning from each other. That's really what competition is, is ways to learn from each other. And I think that is like, that is massively important to consider in your life, you know? So I didn't really think that I was going to come to this kind of revelation on this podcast, but I think that is really, really massive to think about. As we talked about all of this, this in, intense concept of Graves 4 and uh, the sense of safety and community and then competition, like all of those things are inextricably linked together, right? Like, again, if you have a community that's like, again, like the flat earthers or something like that, who are not actually challenging each other, then it's not going to, everyone in that group is not going to grow and evolve together, right? And sometimes you do get the fear of getting into a community and then growing out of it through, through competition and through skill. And you become just quote unquote, so good that you're miles ahead of everyone. And that's, that's when you have to move on to another community. And that takes courage. That takes bravery to start over again in a lot of ways. Right? So these are not simple concepts. These are complex, but a lot of it is a part of the yes. And framework that sometimes it's, um, a little bit of everything that it takes to move forward to do a lot of stuff uh, in your life, you know? So there's a lot of concepts that we've been playing with on this episode, but essentially I think if you are on a, a track, think, think of yourself as uh, a runner on a racetrack and 
you think about how the runners on racetracks have like start staggering starting places so that it evens out based on whatever. But for the most part, if you are on the same race, which counts as a community and you're sort of comparing yourself to the other racers, it would only make sense for you to compare yourself in the micro to your competitors when they are of the same skill set or skill level, right? If you are, again, if you are a lightweight boxer trying to go against a heavyweight champion and you lose, like, of course you're going to lose. You're, you're not in the, you're not in the lightweight division, <laughs> you know? So you need to find the people that are going to fit within your community that you can actually compete with and have fun in the competition uh, as a result. Does that make sense? Like, I, I hope that makes sense. So while I think it is important to make sure that you're not comparing yourself to people that don't live within your same kind of community or framework or the same skill set, um, <clears throat> I think it is very healthy to compete healthily with the people that you're working with so that you can drive each other, you can push each other, you can find ways to try new things and, uh, and, and just keep things moving forward, right? So... Uh, that's, that's it. I think that's it. I feel complete. <laughs> um, I don't know how I got from there to here, but, um, I think thinking about all the Graves model stuff, uh, the sense of safety, and then, you know, talking a little bit about community, building healthy communities and building, uh, competition around those healthy communities, <clears throat> I think are really important concepts to think about and how, you know, you're still an individual within communities, within, <clears throat> my throat's going out. You're still an individual within communities, within frameworks, um, within ideologies, within whatever it is that you're, you're, you're in, you're competing against whatever you're an individual. So you need to still consider that, that you are, you are that. And, um, you know, find your way forward through life in, within all of that stuff. So, uh, part of it is being unsafe a little bit because, when you're going from community to community, uh, there's going to be a sense of being unsafe. Or if you have to reach across the aisle and talk to someone that doesn't have your ideology, it's going to feel unsafe. Your ego is going to be challenged. So I think the core of all of this is that it's okay to be unsafe. Like safety is not something that is as, as necessary in today's world. You're not as likely to be mauled. You're not as likely to be uh, punched or shot um, just for having a discussion. I mean, it happens. It happens a lot, actually. <laughs> but usually it's the style of conversation that leads to those things, right? So feeling unsafe, sometimes feeling unsafe could be about you just not having elegance around how to have a conversation with someone who is not um, on the same page as you. Right. So the best thing that we can do is improve ourselves at the end of the day so that we can have better discussions around these topics and um, ask questions, be curious, love one another and not looking at other people as evil. No one is evil. Evil is not evil is a storybook concept. Humans are not evil. Even Adolf Hitler had a node in his system that led to everything that he believed in and executed on, right? Executed is probably not the best choice of words, but whatever. It's, it's like, it's, it's in terms of like pure plain logic, you know, he made bad moral decisions that everyone else agrees is bad, but evil. I don't know that evil's 
evil is not evil implies that there's an external force that there isn't a narrative that gets someone to that point right so i think that's just what we can we have to consider is that everyone has a narrative everyone has something that has led them to this and then conversely if we understand those narratives we might be able to understand someone better and <clears throat> you know connect with them and be able to help them and be there for them so i'm going to go because my voice is like letting go i need to I need to take a drink real quick. <clears throat> I've been doing a lot of talking, but uh, I think it was a good episode. A little bit of rambling, but there's some good nuggets in there. And um, I hope you got a lot out of this episode. If you want to, so I, I changed some links a little bit. Uh, there's a YouTube channel, so I'm just going to kind of name a couple of things. Actually, you know what? Just go to uh, Dopamine. Uh, actually, no, 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 stop. <laughs> go to Let's Go See Notes on either Twitter or Instagram. And there is a link in my bio to my link tree. And that's going to have links to cosmic calibration, uh, dopamine, uh, the, the website is the website's now going to have articles that are about mental health, creativity, and typology. And then, uh, there's a link to my dopamine YouTube channel, which is going to have cosmic calibration videos for INTPs and then, um, dopamine content as well. And then links to my personal YouTube channel to vid 60, the thing that I do locally here in Rochester and all sorts of other stuff. So, um, link tr.ee slash let's go see notes, or just hit me up at let's go see notes on all the social channels. Feel free to ask me questions. You can leave a, um, a voice message here on anchor. There should be a button on the description that says like, leave a voice message and then you can answer or ask me a question, uh, there or leave a suggestion for a topic for the episode. And, um, that's it. Rating review, all that good stuff. Uh, I love you guys. Thank you for listening to this show. I'm really amazed at that. So many people listen to this show and, um, I want to keep doing it. So thank you for your support, uh, patreon.com slash dopamine. If you want to listen to these episodes a few days early and without ads and, um, it's just a $1 donation uh, at minimum to be able to do that. So patreon.com slash dopamine and you'll get access to that and you can download it, download the show and all that stuff and, and do what you will. I don't know. You can, you can uh, download it and then print the code and then, I don't know, use it for kindling or something. I don't know. You can do whatever you want. I won't stop you. As long as you pay the dollar, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> so patreon.com slash dopamine. Um, that's all I've got for today. Let me know. I would love to know what you guys think about this episode because it's kind of challenging some things and I know it's going to be a little uncomfortable. Um, and, and I just want to know. So thank you guys for being here. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll catch you next time on dopamine. See ya. Bye. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later. This has been a C-Note Media Production. Just a reminder for you guys to go check out EM Media and Video by calling 267-528-7890. 
they are a way for you to do cheap commercial production uh, for video and for audio. They do voiceovers and can help you get into the market. So they primarily work in Philadelphia, but they can help you anywhere across the country. So again, 267-528-7890 to get your quote today. See you guys. Thank you.